0: Well, I said this morning we'd be thinking together about the topic of loneliness. As I uh, bring uh, the word of God this morning, I trust and pray, uh, I do fear I'm getting a reputation. (laughs) I fear because every time I choose a little topical series, I declare there's an epidemic. (laughs) Um, So I I think I've done this on, on depression and certainly when we looked at drink last time I declared... That there was an epidemic. I'm afraid I'm going to do it again this morning. So maybe there's a connection between these things, but I do worry I'm getting a reputation. Um, there's an organisation called the, the Campaign to End Loneliness, and they say that one in 20 of us today struggles with loneliness. And it's not just that, but that the medical and biological effects from suffering with loneliness chronically is the same, would you believe it, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Apparently, chronic loneliness is worse for your health than obesity. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's uh, Wow. Uh, I I couldn't believe that uh, when I heard it. Loneliness abounds today, doesn't it? Um, And if we're honest, we're not very honest about it. How many of us, I wonder, have actually admitted being lonely to another person? Uh, It's something often, if we are lonely we might be ashamed of it. Oh, I should be doing better. I shouldn't be lonely. I've got so many opportunities. I shouldn't be lonely. Uh, we, don't, we don't tell others, even if we are uh, feeling lonely. And, and loneliness is, is really complicated, isn't it? Um, I read this week someone say, aloneness isn't the same as loneliness. Aloneness isn't the same as loneliness. And I think we all know that, don't we? You You can be single and feel lonely, but you can also be married and be lonely. You can be lonely in a village. You can be lonely in a big city. Apparently, London is the loneliest city in the UK. You can be lonely in a big family. You can be lonely in a small family. Men who are commuting for work can be lonely. Women who are commuting for work can be lonely. Mums at home on their own with the children can be lonely. Carers feel lonely. Retired people can feel lonely. Soldiers can feel lonely. Hospital patients can feel lonely. Students going off to university can feel lonely. Students coming back home from university can feel lonely. I believe it's true to say that we will all likely experience at some point in our life fears, uh, feelings of loneliness. It's complica- loneliness is complicated. I was helped thinking about this by reading of a Christian lady called Jane Jane Clark. she says she reckons she fit, felt lonely from the age of seven. Can you imagine being lonely from the age of seven? She says when she was a youngster in church, her favorite hymn was, Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. She says that she always felt lonely, and so that made her a better listener, and she thinks she noticed people who were lonely. She talks about how she noticed this girl called Karen, and Karen was the scrawny one and the smart one. And she... She got bullied. She was lonely. Jane got alongside her. Sometimes she admits she did avoid her too. Jane says she remembers at school a, a, a girl called Robin, and Robin was the only black girl at school. Jane came alongside her, hoping to befriend her, helping to draw her out into the open and be friends with her. But try as she might, she couldn't. She. It just did nothing. She couldn't imagine how lonely and scared Robin must have felt. She noticed Karen. She noticed Robin. She didn't notice Joan. Joan was actually in the in crowd. Joan was very, very, very popular. But one day when Jane got to know Joan, she found out that Joan was popular but lonely. You see, she had... Stop being herself. She'd had to dress a certain way, hold certain opinions. She felt like she was wearing a mask all the time. Oh, yeah, Joan was in the in crowd. And popularity was great. But it didn't protect her from loneliness. Loneliness is complicated. I guess as we start to think about this, we need a bit of a definition, don't we? Here's one I think is helpful. Loneliness is a state of mind... That includes the perception of social isolation. Loneliness is a state of mind that includes the perception of social isolation. Loneliness is when we say to ourselves, I'm on my own. I'm invisible. No one knows me. No one sees me. I have no one. That's what loneliness is. It's often characterized by an expectation of certain relationships and not experiencing them. That's, that's what loneliness is like, which is why you can be in a crowd, because you can be in a crowd and expect certain things and not get them and therefore feel lonely. Loneliness is this feeling of being isolated. And it can be temporary, it can be sudden, it can be brought on by life circumstances, or it can be something that we just have for a long time. And it strikes me that at this very moment, many of us have been forced into isolation... Maybe have been wrestling with loneliness. Maybe many in our church family are wrestling with loneliness. Maybe our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues are wrestling with loneliness. Well, what at this moment does the Bible have to say on this topic? How would the Lord lead us as a church to minister to one another and to trust in him? That's the thought this morning. So as we approach loneliness, let's pray and ask the Lord for help. Father God, you are rich in mercy. You are near to the broken hearted and the downtrodden. Father, sometime sooner or later, we will face loneliness in this world. And we want to have hope in such times. We want to hold fast to you in such times. We want to be changed inside out by the conviction that you're with us and for us. So be at work amongst us this day, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, loneliness can be cruel, loneliness can be crippling. But if you are a Christian, you have tremendous resources as we approach this situation of loneliness. Because we have a God who is just the one to help when we feel alone. And I'd like to persuade us of that this morning with five headings. Five things that I think we see about loneliness in the Bible. It's not by any stretch all that could be said about loneliness in the Bible, but I think these are five key things. If you tell me number six is one I've forgotten at the end, well, keep it to yourself. We'll do these five and then maybe I'll send around the extra ones that you come up with. There we go. Here's the first thing I'd like us to see the Bible says about loneliness, and it's on page number one. So in your Bible, turn to page number one. It might not be page number one, but turn to, turn to Genesis chapter one. Because in the beginning, we see that God was not lonely. Okay, here's a wonderful resource for us. In the beginning, God was not lonely. Look at Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. There is the beginning, and there is God the Father and God the Spirit hovering over the water. Here is God in all his holiness, in all his oneness, in all his glory, but he's more than one. God the Father, God the Spirit hovering over the water, Ready to be at work creatively. God's not alone in the beginning. He's in fellowship. He's in relationship before the world comes to be. And if you weren't persuaded of that, well, look at verse 26 as well. Here's God making human beings. And what does he say? Then God said, let us. Let us make man in our own image. God is speaking. And he's speaking to himself. Let us make there is a togetherness in the Bible at the beginning of creation. God's not lonely. We know too from Hebrews chapter 1 that in these last days God has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. You see, in the beginning we have Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In the beginning... God isn't lonely. God is overflowing with life. Now, I've said this is a resource for us when we're lonely. Why? You, you say to me, you say, Ollie, uh, in the beginning, God wasn't lonely. Okay, yeah, well, so what? Because I am lonely. <laughs> so what difference does this make to me? Well, I, I think it makes a great difference because, you see, I think we tend to think of God as lonely. And so we think God makes us because he needs us. And we tend to think that, that maybe if I'm lonely, I somehow let God down and his expectations. And so therefore, I'm on my own and, and that's it, really. Or we think God's lonely and he's like that lonely person where if you want their love, you have to love them out of their loneliness so that they can love you. Do you know that feeling? You think, oh, if I love them, then maybe they'll love me. We tend to think of that, of God, in that way. But here's the startling thought that in the beginning, God doesn't need to be loved out of loneliness because he's not lonely. God makes and creates because he's in perfect love. And that love overflows in creation. This, these opening chapters of Genesis are God. Singing the world into being. It's a beautifully ordered song of creation. It's God overflowing in life and love. You see, God didn't make us expecting love from us and... Well, he's missing out on that. No, God's love is a free love, a generous love, an overflowing love. You see... God's love is the love that that is poured out it is the love that is undeserved it's unconditional God's love overflows towards us it's a love that we didn't make happen and so we can't stop it it's it's the love that that comes at us come what may it's the love we were made for you see God isn't lonely In fact, he's the precise opposite, which means that God's not the reason for our loneliness. He's not. He's actually the solution to it. God isn't part of the problem. He's the solution to our loneliness because in him we find a love that we will not find anywhere else. With any other love that we meet in the world, we will always be thinking, oh, I wonder if they'll stop loving me tomorrow. But here is the love that has overflowed from eternity past to eternity future. God, in who he is, is not lonely. He is loving. Wow. Wow. All other loves in this world are only shadows and pointers to the best love of all. I say, Ollie, well, I I see what you're saying there but um, I I still really feel like I need human relationships. I I feel like that's the answer to my loneliness, Ollie. and, And actually, isn't that in the Bible, Ollie? Come on. Okay, well, let's go and have a look at that then. Flick over the page to Genesis 2 and verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. So there you say man shouldn't be, <laughs> there we go, we say man shouldn't be alone. We need this companionship. We need human companionship, Ollie. Well, look at this statement again. Who says it? Look at verse 18. Who's speaking in verse 18? Is it God? Is it is it man? No, it's not. It's God, is it? Isn't it? God says it's not good for man to be alone because God has made man in his image. And God says, this humankind is meant to show and meant to point to the love that I have. Human beings are supposed to show forth my love and my community love. And so it's not good that we're alone. You see, the love that we see in marriages and human relationships isn't an end in itself. It's a pointer to God's love. It's supposed to image forth him. So yes, we yearn for relationships. Of course we do. But those relationships and that yearning is there precisely because we are made to know the one true love of God. So how will you treat loneliness, I wonder, in light of this? Well, loneliness, I think, if we allow it to be, can be a powerful spiritual companion. Actually, our loneliness can point us to the truth that only God can fill the ache in my heart. That I might have a running partner that I love to go running with. I might have prayer partners that I just love and they help me so much. I might have a spouse, I might be part of a growth group or a club, and those things will be a wonderful blessing. But in my loneliness, God can point me and remind me to the fact that only the unearned love of God can fulfill my deepest loving, my deepest longing. Only the love of God can so envelop us and give us that security that we're able to love and serve and move towards others. It's the only love that will do that for us. So, point number one, God isn't lonely. Point number two, loneliness is the result of the fall. Loneliness is a result of the fall. Sometimes we think, I am lonely because of my situation. I'm lonely because of my situation. I'm lonely because I'm single, or I'm lonely because that relationship didn't work out, or I'm lonely because I've got a friend who just keeps letting me down. I was struck by this this week. Do you know the first lonely people in the Bible are married Did you know that? The first lonely people in the Bible are married. You can just skim a look across Genesis chapter 3. And here we have Adam and Eve. And they're in perfect union with God and with each other. But sin destroys both those unions. Adam and Eve, we're told, there'd been openness. They were naked and unashamed. But sin made them hide behind fig leaves and trees. There'd been completeness and now there was loss. There'd been acceptance and now sin has made for rejection. Where there had been praise. Oh, she is bone of my bone. Now there's blame. She made me do it. Hiding, loss, rejection, blame. What are all those things? They're the ingredients of loneliness, aren't they? Loneliness, you see, was born at the fall. Loneliness is not simply the result of my singleness. Loneliness is not simply the result of me not having an intimate partner to share life with. No, the Bible explains that loneliness is far more basic to life than that. It is the result of us being estranged from our loving Lord and maker. So marriage or not, loneliness is still possible. Marriage is not the answer to our loneliness it can be a real blessing it can be part of things but it's not the answer as one person quipped if marriage was the answer wouldn't we see it in heaven which is something of a quip isn't it because there's no human marriage in heaven but there is a marriage the union of Christ and his people you see the answer to loneliness is not in marriage it's not in human relationships it's in God it's in it's in Christ Jesus and one of the problems we have today is that we often make things so so small. We see the scale of what God does so so poorly. So God in the Bible, he makes marriages. But what are marriages for? They're for children and for community. And what does God do? He grabs Abraham and he says, I'm going to make a nation. So it starts with a, family, a couple. And then there's a child and then there's a nation. You see, God is doing something much bigger than just just marriages and families. God is doing something so much better than that and bigger than that. And he makes this nation, and why? That all the nations of the world might know him. It's absolutely humongous. And what do Israel do? They just become obsessed with being the special people. And they don't reach out to the nations of the world, you see. We just get it so small, don't we? And today we think, oh yeah, look... I just need to focus on the specialness of marriage and children. And we neglect the fact that God is doing something so much bigger than that. The Bible says that the church is to be such a body that if one person suffers, we all suffer. He's building marriages and children and families and singles and young and old all together, all in family. To reach the nations of the world. That we all might know... The greatest love of all. God's got a way bigger program, hasn't he? You see, loneliness is not a result of singleness. Loneliness is a result of the fall. And as one person has said then, we need to see that it's not what remedies our loneliness, but who remedies our loneliness. Namely, Jesus Christ, friend of sinners. And what a friend he is. I could take us... At this point to the Psalms, I could take us at this point to various people who've experienced loneliness in the Old Testament, but I want to take us here to Jesus. Third thing I'd like us to see about loneliness this morning is that Jesus Christ knows what it is to be lonely. Jesus Christ knows what it is to be lonely. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. How many times in the Gospels do we read, Jesus went out to a desolate place and prayed? How often do we read, and again, Jesus was on his own? Again and again and again. Jesus knows what it is like to be on his own. Anthony read for us Mark 14. Here's Jesus in the hour of need, and he says to his friends, Would you watch and pray with me and for me? Here is the moment when Jesus' closest friends can stand with him in solidarity to uplift him in prayer. And they close their eyes in sleep. They're not hearing him. They're not seeing him. They're asleep on the job. Jesus might as well not be there. They might as well not be there. Simon Peter, could you not keep watch one hour? Oh, they're lonely hours, aren't they? Can you imagine the feeling of of isolation that Jesus felt? That no one could, no one would share his burden. The cross was his alone to face. And there comes a friend. The moment has come. Judas, he says, Rabbi. A hug and embrace, a kiss from a friend. And the mob grab him. And as Jesus says, let let these things be fulfilled, the disciples run from him. A few years ago, we did a drama called the Mark Drama. And um, before we did it, I talked to some people who'd who'd, um, acted in this Mark Drama. And I asked them how they found it and what they did in it they enjoyed and, and how it had spoken to them. And one person said to me, what they learned from the Mark Drama was they'd never realized how alone Jesus was when they had acted as a disciple in every scene with Jesus, through this emotional, um, deeply rich experience, and then they get to the scene where Jesus is arrested, and they all have to run away. This person said to me, I never knew how lonely Jesus must have been. And I was cut to the heart. How lonely was my Saviour. Christians often like to speak about the fact that Jesus is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, don't we? And it's funny how often we'll argue with the Lord on this point. We'll say, oh, but Jesus was the Son of God. And so sometimes we'll pretend and tell ourselves Jesus isn't able to sympathize with us. But you see here, we can't argue with God on this point, can we? We cannot argue with God that Jesus knows what it is like to be lonely. We can never say that Jesus is far from it. We can never say that Jesus doesn't know it. Jesus is abandoned by everyone, even God the Father. Jesus knows what it is like to be lonely. There's a resource for us, eh? Hey? Well, we remember that when we're lonely next. But you know, if that wasn't big enough, here's an even startling, more startling thing we see. Point number four this morning. Jesus Christ chose to be lonely. Jesus Christ chose to be lonely. He chose to face the cross for us. Take this thought in for a moment, that on the cross, Jesus was so saturated with our sin that even the Father had to turn his face away. He actively turned his face away. And what does Jesus cry on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes we think that we feel like we've been abandoned, that we're on our own. And we can face really horrible times, can't we? But actually, even in our roughest moments, we're still exposed in some way to the goodness of God. But on the cross, the Lord Jesus faces the goodness of God totally turned away. He is there exposed to the wrath of God, the complete desolation of God, the complete isolation of God. This is without doubt. The most isolated moment, the loneliest place in the entirety of the cosmos and the entirety of human history. And Jesus chose to be there. Jesus chose to be lonely. He had no need to suffer God's abandonment, he had no deserving of God's justice and wrath. He was pierced and nailed to that cross and he hung there in our place. And he chose to be there for you and me so that our sin and our loneliness might be done away with forever. Jesus knew that on the cross he would face divine abandonment. That's why he spoke the words of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's worth going home and looking at this psalm. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. They mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads at me. I'm poured out like water. My heart is like wax. It melts away. My strength is dried up. They lay me in the dust of death. Oh, Lord, do not be far off. That's the cry of Psalm 22. That's the the cry of Jesus on the cross. And you see... Jesus faces that, why? Because we in our sin, we've walked out on the God of life. We've chosen loneliness. We've wanted to be far from God. We thought it was a good idea. But it was the worst thing in all the the world. And the Lord Jesus, well, he takes that path for us. He takes it to its conclusion. He takes our death. He takes our abandonment. He takes our hell. What love is this? And he did this to his glory. And he did it for me. And he did it for you. So that one day, Christians will never feel lonely ever again. Revelation 21 says this. It's the vision of John. Friends, one day, if you've trusted Christ, you will be part of an innumerable multitude of every tribe and every tongue, of every language. You'll be part of the bride of Christ. You'll have no chance of being lonely, none whatsoever. But the thing that will get rid of loneliness forever is that God himself will dwell with us. The love that overflowed in creation, in our redemption, Will envelop us completely forever. The beautiful triune love of God that has existed for all time will wrap us up and never let us go, ever. I've always loved the thought of 3 John, which says, When Jesus comes, we will see him and we will be like him. That just spurs my imagination. What does that mean? we'll be made holy, will be made pure, we'll be like him. I wonder whether it means that we'll be wrapped up in his love, wrapped up in the love of God forever. When we see him, we will be like him and he'll never let us go. You see, God is our hope in loneliness because he is the one who has never ever been lonely. He has always been overflowing in perfect, glorious love. Loneliness is a result of the fall. And if you are lonely, you are not on your own. Why? Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. In fact, he chose to be lonely for you so that you might never know loneliness ever again. As we move out and about today, maybe we still feel on our own. Will we take those truths and draw richly from them will we drink richly from this thought and will we let it fill our life as a church family I'd like to draw out a few implications as we close a few encouragements to us from what we've been thinking about I'd like to say to us this morning guys listen don't be surprised if you find yourself lonely that's what it's like as we live in a fallen world and second don't presume your circumstances are at fault Circumstances will always be a contributing factor. Of course they will. But ask the why question. Ask what's going on in my heart. Thirdly, in your loneliness, know that the Lord is sovereign. Know that the Lord turns all things to good. If he could turn the loneliest moment in history to good, well, then he can do that with our loneliness as well, can't he? God can turn your loneliness into something beautiful. So often today we've made lonely places, loud places. Fill them with Netflix. When actually the Lord has been spoon-feeding us quietness. So don't run away from those lonely places. See how the Lord might be at work in us. The Lord sometimes works the most in the hardest places, doesn't he? Elizabeth Elliot, um, who is a, a, lady, a, a missionary spouse to Jim Elliot, who was killed by the Orcas in Ecuador, She says this, she says, Our loneliness cannot always be fixed, but it can always be accepted as the very will of God for right now. And that turns it into something beautiful. Perhaps it's like the field, wherein lies the valuable treasure. We must buy the field. It's no sun-drenched meadow embroidered with wildflowers. It's a bleak and empty place. But once we know that it contains a jewel, the whole picture... Changes. The empty scrap of forgotten land suddenly teems with possibilities. And when through a willed act we receive this thing we did not want, then loneliness, the name of the hidden field nobody wants, is transformed into a place of hidden treasure. Know that the Lord is sovereign in our loneliness. Friends, let me encourage you, as as we thought about loneliness, don't treat human relationships as a substitute for God. Treat them as a supplement, a a blessing. But please don't treat them as a substitute for God. Friends, can I encourage you to know that loneliness is often close at hand. If we live in a fallen world, loneliness will will be close at hand. It it may be behind the smiles that you see at church. It might be behind the frowns that you see at church. Loneliness will often be closer than we realise. Can I encourage you to confess your loneliness to others? I think if we'll only start admitting it, maybe we'd start to do something about it. Can I encourage you to take risks and and lose your reserve? See, God's not lonely and he pours out his love on us. Will we take risks because of what the Lord has done for us? Psalm 68 says, the Lord sets the lonely in families. Wouldn't it be lovely if we were a family that push loneliness out that'll mean taking some risks it'll mean inviting people out not just for a chat but to do stuff with them we only get to know people when we share experiences really can we do those sorts of things take some risks. can i say can we seek friendships and do so wisely and gently today i think i'm right in saying that one of the issues with loneliness is that people will often get into relationships which are called relationships of codependency funny word It basically means we try and find a friendship, but then we sort of strangle the life out of each other. Because we're so desperate for that friend to deliver everything that I need that it just crushes everyone. So seek friendships, but do so wisely, knowing friendship costs, doesn't it? The Lord said, "Uh, this is what love is. The greatest love is that we lay down our life for our friends. So friendship and love costs, of course it does, but do so gently And wisely, please. Can I encourage us, friends, to know that rejection will happen. We're not the creator God. We can't provide the love that he does. So rejection will happen. We'll hurt each other. Of course we will. But we're called to love and forgiveness. We're called to know that no matter how someone treats us, we'll never be invisible to God. We'll never be disposed of by him. But he always sees us and is near to us. Even if perhaps in this life we face rejection for a time. What might we do as a church? Well, I'd like to suggest that we make an even bigger deal of church membership. To think that as a church, we don't just commit to being here, but that we belong here. That I need you and you need me. And that we don't just give up on each other. But we're there in the hurts and the pains. I belong to these people in life-giving community. I think we need to commit to shared leadership, of of, of sharing the leadership, the leaders sharing the decision, sharing the burden. I think we need to commit to inputting and getting lots of wisdom. And that's why I've said again this morning, please just say the things that are on your heart, please share them with us. That, That would just be a great help. And in that way, we can have pastoral oversight and teamwork in lonely situations. I think probably what do we need to do as a church? We just need to teach more on friendship when we can. It's vital for us and community and we need to be devoted to one another. All of us will at some point face loneliness. What will we do with it, I wonder? Will we turn to the Lord? How will we serve the lonely? This morning we have seen that God isn't lonely. He's overflowing with love. Loneliness is the result of the fall. Jesus knows what it is to be lonely. He chose to be lonely for us and one day we'll never be lonely ever again. So how about we get about the business of loving one another such that the world might know our hope in this time as in any and all the more as we see the day approaching. Shall we pray? Our loving Father, we're conscious that so much more could have been said on this topic of loneliness. There's so much more experience to be shared, testimony to be shared, prayer to be prayed, scripture to be considered. But Father, as we've begun here today, we ask that you might bless us richly. Ask that we might be those who look and see those who are lonely. That we get behind the smiles or the frowns. That we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. That we confess our loneliness. Such that we might all point one another to the the, the ultimate love that we were made for. The unchanging, unrelenting, perfect love of our Father and our Saviour. And the Spirit who is in us. So we pray this in Jesus' name and to his glory alone. Amen.